Good morning, friends. It is good to be together and to see uh, people from all of our congregations in one place at one time. Uh, We're going to spend some time uh, in the book of Acts uh, now, so if you want to keep that open, that would be helpful uh, as we look at that together. But why don't I pray? Let me pray. Uh, Dear Lord, we do thank you for the fellowship that we share together uh, because of your grace to us, that we can gather uh, to praise you, to worship you, to uh, listen to your word. And so, Lord, I pray that as I speak now that I'll be faithful to it. I pray that your spirit will be here amongst us, uh, teaching us, uh, each of us, uh, what we need to hear. So we pray for these things in your son's name. Amen. Why did you come to church this morning? Uh, For some, uh, it might be uh, because your significant other really wanted you to be here. And if that's you, then uh, good on you, well done. Uh, You might have also realised that uh, resistance was futile, and so uh, you just went with the flow. Uh, For others, uh, you were looking forward to gathering together with brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, to to see each other, to praise God together, to be together. And this is a wonderful blessing to be able to do that. Uh, For others, perhaps, uh, you're not a Christian, uh, but you've come here today because you've been invited by someone or you're searching for answers uh, or you're looking to reconnect with a belief in God that's sort of been left by the wayside in all the complexity and busyness of life. But whatever reason you came today, even this humble gathering of people is part of God's plan. It's part of his mission. And that's what we've been looking at together over the last couple of weeks. So for those who need a very brief refresher of our journey so far, uh, it started at the end. So God created the world for a purpose and God is bringing all of history to a single end point. And it's an end that's made possible by the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And it's an end that involves all of humanity. So this is the picture that we get from the book of Revelation. After this I looked and there before me was a great multitude that no one could count, from every nation, tribe, people and language standing before the throne and before the Lamb. They were wearing white robes and were holding palm branches in their hands. And they cried out in a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God, who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. And God is bringing that end to pass, and he chooses to do that through his people. So we've actually got a part to play in that end. And so last week we looked at that verse, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. And so we see this natural cycle that as people go out and proclaim the good news of Jesus, that others hear that, they recognise that it's true, they repent and believe, and then they go on to proclaim it to others. And as Christians do that, they gather together as a church. And so I think we need to get out of our brain that a church is somehow this building or an institution. The church is simply the humans in this room and God's presence with us. The fact that we meet here or in a paddock 
has really nothing to do with it. It is about God's people gathering. And so our experience today and what we experience each week as we gather is a very imperfect representation of what we can look forward to in heaven. God gathering his people together, praising God, worshipping God and enjoying sharing in the glory of God. But God also chooses to use his church as part of his mission to gather even more people into his family. And so I think there's two risks for the church. One risk is that we become so focused on what it means to be gathering as God's people that we can kind of forget everyone else. And we can lose perspective about how God might want to use our gatherings to gather more people. The other risk is where we go to the other extreme and we end up making our gatherings all about the other people and we lose perspective in the joy and the pleasure of gathering together as God's people to praise and worship him. And so as we look at our passage today, we want to sort of keep a wary eye on those two pitfalls, but also see the example uh, that we have in Acts 11. Uh, now, Acts is, is a book that's describing what God is doing. Uh, so it's not prescriptive. It's not saying this is the how-to manual for churches. But as we look at what God blesses and how God works, we do want to say, well, what does that mean for us? How do we work in God's plan? And so the focus of our, our passage today starts and is focused around a city called Antioch. So uh, if, you know, uh, if you know anything, do we have a map there of Antioch? It's... Huh. Well, it's a very simple map. <laughs> A little simpler than I remember it. Uh, let me give you the vibe. Jerusalem's to the south. Antioch's to the north. Uh, it's a long way to walk. So as the gospel goes out from Jerusalem, it heads north in this particular case uh, to Antioch. And if you just see the coast there, you'll also see that Cyprus is just off to the coast. But this is how Jesus describes what was going to happen after his death and resurrection. The Messiah will suffer and rise from the dead on the third day and repentance for the forgiveness of sins will be preached in his name to all nations beginning at Jerusalem. And so what we've seen is this chain reaction, that as people become Christians in Jerusalem and more people become Christians, we also see persecution. And we read about one particular event in the, in the life of a man called Stephen. So he's a disciple of Jesus. He gets arrested. And then he stands up and gives this incredible speech uh, to this audience about how Jesus is the Messiah who fulfills all the promises of the Old Testament. And as the people hear this, they absolutely hate it. They're completely outraged, like literally covering their ears and screaming at him. And so they take him out of the city and then they pick up rocks off the ground and literally bludgeon him to death. And it's as much about pain and humiliation as killing him. And as a result of that, the Christians are scattered. 
And interestingly enough, in that whole story, there's a man watching and approving of it all. And his name is Saul. And Saul will go on, as we read today, to teach a great number in the city of Antioch. It's an incredible story. Yeah, he's a man who goes from literally killing Christians to persecuting Christians to proclaiming Christ. That's a wonderful testament to the grace of God. And God uses this persecution in Jerusalem as part of his purposes and plans. So to appropriate the words of Joseph way back in Genesis, you intended to harm me, but God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done the saving of many lives. So often we see evil in the world, and it is evil, and it's a result of the brokenness of humanity. But even then, God chooses to use that evil for his good. And what we see now is a new church, because the Christians are scattered, they do what Christians do. So they're not just good neighbours as they travel out, They share the good news. So verse 21, the Lord's hand was with them and a great number of people believed and turned to the Lord. And as they believe, they start to gather together to form this church. But it doesn't end there. So verse 22, news of this reached the church in Jerusalem and they sent Barnabas to Antioch. When he arrived and saw what the the grace of God had done, He was glad and encouraged them all to remain true to the Lord with all their hearts. He was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and faith, and a great number of people were brought to the Lord. We see a similar thing right back at the beginning in Jerusalem. So Acts 2, every day they continued to meet together in in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. So as the Christians are united together, as they come together to praise God, to pray to God, to listen to God's word, they testify to the glory of God. And so as other people come in and see what's happening, other people are hearing it for the first time, they're hearing the gospel, And God is using that gathering and that good news message of Jesus to gather even more people to his family. So using the example of Antioch, how do we reach out into our community? Well, it's got to start simply with being God's people here. Every week we are on mission as we gather together to praise God. And that means we also need to be a healthy church. So if I can use the example of my wife and my family, hopefully they won't mind, uh, if I put my children first at the expense of my marriage, then I risk both my marriage and the welfare of my children. If I put my wife first, then I look after my marriage and I look after the well-being of my children. And the point being that first and foremost... If we are going to make a difference to this community, we need to start by being a healthy people of God. So Christ is the head. We are the body of Christ. We need to be a healthy body of Christ. 
And then as people come in and as they experience the body of Christ, as they hear God's word proclaimed, then it testifies to God's goodness. Not only do they hear it, they get to see it. They get to see, actually, the Holy Spirit really does work and make a difference. And so what we do together each week is a powerful testament to God's goodness. And can I say, this isn't just about what we do in our church services. This is about our our youth ministry and our children's ministry. So every week when friends invite friends, we're not just inviting them to hear the gospel, we're inviting them to experience a Christian community, a gathering of Christians. So the last thing on earth we want to be is a navel-gazing, world-fearing, not-quite-so-holy huddle. That is the last thing we want to be. But we do want to be a healthy body of Christ that loves Jesus, that loves praising him, that's unashamed of his word. And as we do that, the people will see it and see God's goodness to us. I think one of the big challenges of that practically is we want to be unashamedly Christian, but at the same time we do want to be accessible, don't we? You know, it's already weird enough walking into a church for the first time. If you've ever walked into the I mean, some of you would know that from recent experience. Uh, some of you would know it just from walking into someone else's church. That's always a bit weird, even when you are a Christian. Uh, it is a very foreign place. Melbourne Cup's coming up. If I walked into the races, I would have absolutely no idea of the culture. I have no aspiration to walk in there either. But I've, it would be the weirdest thing to me on earth. I just would not get any of it. So if you're new, it is a bit weird. Uh, But we certainly want to make it as accessible as possible, don't we? We want to make sure our culture doesn't get in the way of the gospel, of the good news of Jesus. And we also need to make it relationally accessible. And I think that, that one's really difficult. Culturally accessible, that's partly on me and our leadership. Relationally acceptable, well, that's on all of us. Because that means we've got to move outside of our our comfortable relationships and those people we know the best and actually talk to someone who we don't know at all. Uh, And that can be incredibly daunting. Now, if you're an extrovert, then you're in your happy place. You're going, that's fine, I'll talk to strangers all day. I like talking to the lady at the checkout. You know, that's fantastic. Uh, Yeah, some people just have that natural gift. For others, it's incredibly intimidating. Uh, But it starts with, Uh, a concern and a love for someone else. Uh, Where you go, okay, I'm going to move outside of of my comfortable place. Uh, Maybe take a friend. It's always good to do do things with friends. Uh, And go and meet someone new and have a conversation. If you're not sure what to say, just ask lots of questions. You know, you work it out. Uh, But the point is that that we should be a place uh, where we love connecting with each other. Uh, As Christians but also as people come in and join us. But I think part of that is it also needs to move beyond simply being friendly. So it is great that we're friendly and we want to be friendly and I I hope uh, for anyone who's new amongst us that you have felt that it is a friendly church from the time you walk in to the time you leave. And every week it's brilliant to see conversations, you know, going on and on and sometimes on and on uh, after church. And evening church, you turn off the lights and go home, and I'm, I think they still keep going. 
Uh, yeah, that's, that's fantastic. We love seeing it at morning. We love traditional lunch and sitting down and chatting together. We love seeing it at supper. Uh, but if we're really going to share our life together, then we do need to move beyond simply Sunday and a Sunday time slot. Real relationships sort of seep out into our week. And so can I encourage us, whatever our, our sort of circumstance, how do we connect with people during the week? Uh, and it's not the same for everyone, is it? We're all in different circumstances of life. And there's no doubt there is plenty of obstacles to it. You know, you've got work, you've got school, you've got uni, you've got family, you've got extended family. Uh, not everyone's comfortable having someone in their home. Not everyone's comfortable talking one-on-one with someone. But what is it for you? What would it mean for you to welcome uh, someone else into your life and not just into a conversation? For some, it is inviting people into your home and you're happy to do that and you're able to do that and that's brilliant. And can I encourage you to do it more and more? Uh, for others, it might be you know, meeting someone over in the square uh, or going down a village fix and having a coffee. Uh, for someone else, it might be simply inviting them to join one of the groups we have on during the week. You know, come to Tuesday Fellowship Group, which surprisingly is on Tuesday. Or toddler time. Uh, or come and join the blokes uh, with the maintenance crew. Uh, or join a connect group. You know, for me, uh, when we went to our last church, I wasn't on staff at our last church. I've been in churches my entire life. Uh, I was a minister, or one of the ministers at the church before that. And even I felt like a stranger for the first couple of months. It wasn't until I started getting involved that I started to really get to know people and then felt really connected. So can I encourage us, uh, for those who have been here for a long time, uh, to reach out? Uh, can I encourage those who are new amongst us to be proactive in your own search? I think sometimes with, with church, you can treat it a bit like an exotic dish. This is the most exotic dish I could find. I'm not sure what it is. It's slightly disturbing. <laughs> Some people treat church like an exotic dish. Yeah, they, they get a stick and you sort of poke it a little bit or with a fork and you poke it and, and you don't really embrace it and you don't really tuck in and give it a go and, and then you leave feeling uh, rather unsatisfied uh, with the whole experience. Now, hopefully church doesn't look like that metaphorically or otherwise. Uh, but you know what? You've got you to risk it for the biscuit. Uh, which is that if, if we're not willing to put ourselves out there a bit on all sides, if we're not willing to get to know each other, if we're not willing to give things a go, then we'll always end up being a little unsatisfied. And the sad thing about that is we're not only unsatisfied relationally, uh, but more significantly, we then feel perhaps that God has let us down, uh, that I expected to, to find this spiritual experience that hasn't been there. Uh, but we haven't really committed in the first place. And, of course, for all of this to happen, we need to be committed, don't we? We need to be present. It's very hard to build relationships if you're present once a month where you see someone periodically. Uh, we need to be present to be able to say good day to the same person we said good day to last week. And equally, if we want to get to know people, part of that is seeing them regularly and being committed. So, uh, again, it's hard in the busyness of life, but can I encourage us that if we want to be you know, a bright light in our community, if we really want to make a difference, 
And if we really take pleasure in gathering as God's people, then we commit to it. Not out of obligation, but actually out of a joy and a pleasure of what God has gathered together. Looking back at our passage, uh, everything we've seen today has really been a collaborative effort, hasn't it, if you look at Acts 11. Uh, The Christians, they just want to see Christ glorified everywhere and anywhere. And so what's happened, it's gone out from Jerusalem, it's ended up in Antioch, and then when the Jerusalem church hear what's happening with these Christians, they end up sending Barnabas up there. They're so excited by what's happening, they want to make sure they're there to help them. And then when Barnabas Barnabas gets there and he experiences what's going on, he's so excited that he heads off to find Saul and to bring him back. And so the church might continue to grow, not just in number, but in their, their knowledge and love of Jesus. So verse 25, So for a whole year, Barnabas and Saul met with the church and taught great numbers of people. And then a little bit further on, when the Christians hear what's about to happen to the church in Judea, they hear about this great famine that's coming. What do they do? Well, the disciples, as each one was able, decide to provide help for their brothers and sisters living in Judea. And if we go a little bit further on in Acts, we hear about how the church in Antioch set aside Paul and Barnabas to then go on and to reach new communities and new towns and new cities so that more people can hear the gospel. So this is how Acts 13 puts it. While they were worshipping the Lord and fasting, the Holy Spirit said, Set apart for me Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. So after they had fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. And that's really what we're seeking to do with our mission partners. So uh, that's, uh, for those who don't know them, that's Mal and Carissa and the kids. Uh, And that's me in the middle. I had the joy of of visiting them earlier in the year. But as we send out people from us with Amy Stevens, with the Sparks family, as we send them out, we're not simply paying for them to go. Actually, we are in partnership with them. uh, That their ministry is our ministry. Uh, And vice versa, our ministry is their ministry. And therefore we need to look at, well, how do we genuinely invest in their lives? Uh, As an absolute starting point, we can pray for them. And it's great as we hear news from them that we can pray intentionally. It's not just, you know, a general vibe of what's going on. So that's brilliant. Uh, Our missions team uh, have been committed uh, throughout the year to encouraging us to be aware of what's going on. And I think, uh, in summary, the short version is uh, that we are probably, as a church, more aware of what's going on, but perhaps no more engaged. And certainly, I am guilty of that. So from my perspective, uh, it's been easier to connect with Mal and Carissa and the kids because they were here when I arrived, uh, because I had a chance to visit them. Uh, Amy Sparks, I've written to a a number of times. Uh, The Sparks family, I've not written to at all. So there's my confession to simply say that we all fail. Uh, I have no excuse. There is no insurmountable object. I just simply have not done it. Now, our kids are doing better than I have. 
Uh, so our kids' ministry, Cross Life Kids, they've sent letters uh, to all of our missionary families from the kids. That's brilliant. Uh, if you want to go old school and send a letter, go for it. Can I encourage you in that? Uh, if you want to send an email, do that. If you want to be more adventurous, send a little video vlog, do that. Send a photo of your family, of yourself, of church. Uh, there are lots of ways that we can connect with them. It's just a matter of actually doing it. And so there's a challenge for me. There's my confession. Uh, can I encourage the rest of us, even if you've never met them before, just send them a short email, a short message, ask them how they're going, and tell them that you are praying for them if you are. And let's commit to praying for them because that's a good thing to do as well. The church is both an end and a means to an end. So it's an end because it's the culmination of God's work to gather together his people, saved by grace through Jesus. But it's also a means to an end because God continues to use his church to reach those people who he's chosen but who just don't know it yet. And we don't know who those people are, do we? So we're just going to keep telling everyone and we're going to keep inviting them into our community and we're going to keep praying and together we will do more and greater things than the sum of our parts. That's why God created a body, each person, different gifts, working together for a single common cause. So whether it's in here or out there, We are always on mission. We are always proclaiming the good news of Jesus. And so let's pray that we make the most of every opportunity. Let me pray now. Dear Lord, we thank you for the grace that you show each of us and that you gather us together as your people. Uh, Lord, we pray that we feel uh, the weight and the responsibility uh, of sharing your good news with others. Uh, But, Lord, it is good news. So, Lord, help us to not see it as a burden but a joy, uh, that you love people, that you want to save people into your family. And so, Lord, we pray that we can proclaim that clearly. We pray we can show it in our lives. And I pray that our gatherings together will be a testament to your grace and mercy and glory. Amen.